Welcome to that Big HVAC Show, the podcast for property managers, building owners, and building maintenance personnel, getting you the information to benefit your goals while keeping it simple in a big way. This is that Big HVAC Show. Now, your Big HVAC host, Dwayne Anderson. We're back. Season two. How was your uh, how was your December? Did you get a chance to visit some family or friends over the break? Did you eat a little bit too much turkey? Or maybe you stayed home to avoid the Omicron variant. Or just the really nasty weather we had. Wasn't that something? Wow. Either way, I hope you had a chance to relax and rejuvenate. I myself took time to do some reevaluation and to get re-energized. And how I'm re-energizing myself today is a nice big cup of Ohana Estate coffee. I'm drinking Island Medium Roast today with its chocolate and caramel aromas. Mmm, so delicious. These beans are grown in the tropics. Oh, don't you wish you were in the tropics right now? I know I do. But these beans come from the tropics and can be delivered right to your table by joining the Ohana. Just go to ohanacoffeeco.com and order your beans of Ohana Estate Coffee. Enjoy a great cup of coffee. Join the Ohana. You know, regardless if you're in the tropics or during these winter months, we get a lot of sunshine when it's so cold out, don't we? And we all like being in the sun. It's just something we all enjoy. So today we're going to talk about the sun. In particular, solar energy. And my guest today has been in the solar industry for four years. The last three years, he's been the head of sales for Solar YYC. Something you may not know about him. He's a father of two small boys. He uh, is a self-proclaimed outdoor fanatic. He loves hiking and camping with his wife and sons. Brent Bowman, welcome to that big HVAC show. Thanks so much, Dwayne. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to have you here. Um, so solar technology, um, solar electricity, I have to admit, I know very little to anything about it. So uh, the few questions I've mustered up here, uh, just feel free to, to add to it and then talk about it as much as you want. Solar, uh, commercial solar, I mean, you do residential as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd say at this stage, we're, we're kind of about a half and half split. Okay. Uh, between commercial and residential. It really started as an almost entirely residential company, but uh, the last couple of years have certainly changed pretty dramatically for us. So, Okay. Well, I mean, that's our audience is the commercial marketplace. Why has commercial solar been on the rise over the last few years? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I think the in interesting thing about it is it's actually several different reasons, depending on which client you're talking to. Um, so the, the biggest and, and largest reason is the economics have changed drastically over the last couple of years. And um, for, for clients who are really looking for a way to, to kind of make the most out of their capital, uh, it's all of a sudden hit a point where it makes a lot more sense. Um, but what we're noticing is there's clients that are coming at it, obviously, from a, a sensibility of having real sustainability goals built into their, to their corporate ethos and really want to find a way to kind of reduce carbon. And then we're seeing a lot more people actually move on on those intentions. So it's, it kind of depends on who you're talking to, whether it's environmental reasons, whether it's 
financial reasons. Um, we even find people who just really love the idea of the technology and being as energy independent as they can be. Um, can be the, the entire driving reason why commercial businesses and, and condo boards are deciding to kind of make this shift towards solar. I mean, years ago, I looked, you're probably going 10 years ago, and I looked at this for residential purposes, I thought, it's a great idea, but I just didn't see where it made financial sense. So today, are the economics of solar, have they reached the point where it actually is a sensible investment now? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's, it's one I you know hear pretty much every day when I'm talking to clients. Um, and it's really, really drastic. Like I, I've been working in the solar industry for about four years, which might not seem like a long time. Um, but even in that period of time, it's, it's really dramatic how far things have come along. Um, just statistically speaking, like the, the cost of an average solar module has gone down about 90% in the cost since about 10 years ago. So when you probably last looked at it. Um, so as you can imagine, that's made a really, really dramatic shift in the way that the, first of all, the actual cost of installing a solar system has gone way down in that sense. And, and beyond that, the, the economics are also heavily influenced by how utility rates are changing. Uh, and we're seeing that really, really dramatically all over North America right now, where, where there's a lot of push on utility pricing kind of going up. So the reality is that as utility pricing goes up and solar panels get cheaper and cheaper, we're seeing more and more people see that break-even point hit a point where they feel very comfortable to, to make the investment. Yeah, yeah, and you're right, and, the, and that's the way the trend is going, and the trend continues that way. It'll just be a no-brainer at one point. Yeah, absolutely, and that's kind of, I guess, what we're seeing is more and more people feeling that that sense of a no-brainer kind of has arrived, where even three years ago, you know, it was it was very much kind of a, a niche thing for a lot of people that really just had those uh, more extrinsic goals of, of trying to be more sustainable, and that, that was kind of the, the base of our clientele, and the pure economic motivation really wasn't there. And to, to have that switch over three years is a pretty dramatic, <laughs> dramatic change for us, for sure. When you put together a proposal for someone to, to switch to solar technology, are you able to calculate for them a payback period? Yeah, to, to some degree of accuracy, like the, the biggest variable really is what the utility rates are now versus what they might be, you know, a year from now, five years from now. 25 years from now, because it is a very long life cycle product. Um, but if we just take some, some basic assumptions and that pricing stays somewhat stable, um, it's pretty easy for us to give people a really good idea of kind of what, what the outlier is going to be and how soon they can recuperate that investment. So what is a typical payback or does it depend on the building and what they're currently paying? Yeah, that's, that's the biggest factor is what is the actual client paying now? Um, and what the, every jurisdiction has a whole variety of different financing tools available to them as well. Um, so it changes even from city to city in different provinces and states, um, dramatically from, from province to state level. Um, there's different federal incentives, provincial and state level incentives, uh, municipal incentives. So that's a big part of our job, actually, is just kind of constantly staying on top of what is happening in the marketplace. Because it changes uh, from week to week in some cases uh, in terms of what's actually available and, and what people can qualify for in terms of grant programs. Okay, so each facility is a sole essentially its own case study, it's all individualized for each commercial property there. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what we really do as an initial starting point for every client is, is figuring out for them, what would they actually be potentially eligible for? Um, we have a really amazing software program that can do all the calculations from a production standpoint is how efficient is the system really even going to be in your situation? Because every situation will be different if you're you know, installing it on a 20-story high-rise and there's a 40-story high-rise just south of you, all of a sudden you really <laughs> lose all your potential production. So it, it's always a completely case-by-case -case individual study. Um, and that's something we actually offer complimentary to any client who wants to, to do it. So it's 
it's kind of a fun it's always it always feels like putting together a new puzzle every time we talk to a new client so i guess you even have to take into account future development for an area because if like you said you've got a 20-story building and it's all fine for today but five years down the road the 40-story building goes up yeah it could it could affect things there so that's even something you need to take into consideration absolutely yeah it, it's what makes um the, the challenge of kind of working especially in more densely developed areas even more difficult um is you know the reality is there's no legal rights to sunlight it's uh it's a commodity that's available to everybody so it becomes a real challenge trying to kind of future proof those those situations and, and trying to kind of think through is it realistic that you're going to have a massive shading problem in in near future so um there's a lot of variables that clients need to think about and it is it is something that usually you know can be upwards of a year to two process for for clients to kind of understand all the variables and decide whether or not it's it's the right fit for them. Yeah, no kidding. So what would be the ideal facility or even location for solar system? Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. So I, I would say the vast majority of what we've been seeing is a lot of smaller agricultural facilities have really, really gone in the direction of going solar, um, partially because they typically pay a much higher utility rate than a lot of clients, even in an urban center. Uh, and secondly, they don't really have to worry about you know, a giant 40 story building being popped up on their farm. <laughs> so it really removes that 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 dynamic. Um, but really, it just comes down to, you know, looking at the landscape. Do you have really good exposure? Do you have a situation where you can fix your panels in a southern direction where you're going to get the best possible production out of them? And then beyond that, just trying to make sure that the, the situation is going to work well electrically, where you're not running wires for 10, 15 kilometers to get back to your main site. So that's a big part of our, our, our offering in a lot of ways is doing those those free site assessments and just establishing for somebody, you know, is this the perfect situation? Are you going to get the best case scenario by investing in solar? Because it's not always 100% true that it will be. Is it like, so for example, mm. being born and raised in Alberta, I mean, it's, it's sunny. Like even in the dead of frozen winter, it's sunny. And then you come out here where I am now in the lower mainland and Abbotsford gets more rain than anybody else out here. <laughs> Would Abbotsford be a target market? like for solar technology or would you just know oh, you're going to stay where the sun is? I mean, the reality is we, we are very fortunate. We are a Calgary based company. So we are kind of in the, the sun capital of Canada, essentially. Um, so it, the climatic reality of where you live definitely impacts how much production you're going to get out of your panel. So even in British Columbia, every valley to valley is going to be pretty, pretty dramatically different. Like you say, Abbotsford versus a, a city like Kelowna, for instance, are going to be dramatically different in terms of what they can, expect year over year from a production standpoint. Um, the other factor really does come down to even if production isn't necessarily the same, sometimes there's other external factors that can kind of make up for the, the, the lost production. Like there might be a local incentive program that can kind of make up for that financial loss of, of less productive solar panels, um, or maybe the utility rates are just exceptionally high for some reason in that area. And, and the investment actually doesn't change all that much just because you might not be producing you know, as much as a place like Southern Alberta does. Okay, so it's all part of that evaluation in the beginning then. Exactly, yeah. It's really why we have to customize every evaluation and take all these these different variables into account. Okay. Are, are most facilities um, including energy storage as part of their systems? Yeah, it's a great question. It, it almost always comes up as part of the discovery process for, for clients as to whether or not energy storage is going to be a, the right solution for them. Um, we have noticed more and more it's becoming part of the landscape for, for people to decide, you know what, it is worth us making that additional investment. Um, at this point, it's maybe about 10% of our clients that go through all the way and actually invest in doing battery storage. 
Um, and typically in Alberta, for instance, it's it's usually typically lived to grid instability and just a lot of regular blackouts, which create a lot of lifestyle challenges. Um, where in other jurisdictions, um, like in places in the United States and even other places in Canada where they have peak pricing, uh, where you pay an exceptionally high amount for your electricity for certain hours of the day, the batteries can really, really help reduce your overall cost. Um, so I would say in general, we're not quite there yet where it's become universal that people are investing in battery storage. Um, but a lot of our systems are, are being put in a situation where battery storage will be included five years down the line, 10 years down the line. Um, people are really future-proofing that as a, as a potential additional investment. Right. Okay. Good. Putting a system in, that's the cost of owning the system. Now, where I come from, my background is the service side, is the maintenance, the cost of operating the equipment. So from an operation standpoint, what kind of maintenance items need to be considered uh, when keeping uh, a solar system running at its peak efficiency? Mm. It's, it's a really great question. And again, it's one of those ones we, we talk to a lot of clients about all the time. For, in in the, the broader scale, the really nice thing about solar as an investment is it's a very low maintenance requirement system, uh, mostly because there's no moving parts to these systems. They, they come with a 25-year warranty as kind of an industry standard. Um, so you're looking at a very long lifestyle product that really almost never breaks down. There is incremental weather considerations, things like, especially in this part of the world in Canada, where we get lots of snow coverage, you do have to kind of consider that. Uh, most companies you deal with would factor that in to any production statistics. It's not getting a lot of production out of months like December, January, where snow is going to be a factor. But there are ways to boost efficiency by, you know, keeping your panels clean, re removing snow on a regular basis. But it's not actually essential into the overall production of the system. So it's why a lot of clients like it as an investment is it's one of those things you kind of set it and forget it. And client companies like ourselves as, a, as an installer will usually add some form of maintenance into their actual um, contractual obligation. So if you do have any kind of major component failures, we usually take the obligation of doing any of the, the actual maintenance as well. Okay. Well, that's great. So there's you know, just basically keeping it clean and keep, keeping it exposed to the sunlight. That's, yeah, okay. absolutely. That's pretty, pretty simple. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned the weather there with a snow cover. So I think about other weather um, that uh, people experience like hail. How would you handle and address those? Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, like hail, especially for us in Alberta, is a kind of a normal part of life. Um, so it's, it's almost a guarantee that at some point your system is going to come into contact with that kind of extreme weather. Um, the really cool thing is, is any of the really reputable manufacturers of solar panels have really gone above and beyond to make these things essentially hail proof. Um, we actually have quite a few car dealerships here in, uh, in Calgary now that have made the investment to create car shelters out of solar panels, um, just to help them reduce their insurance premiums and actually keep their cars safe during a hailstorm. Um, so it's kind of a counterintuitive thing that people kind of assume it's a, an additional liability, um, for things like a hailstorm, but the reality is it actually protects um, anything underneath it, a lot of, we're actually, we're seeing a lot of clients call us for insurance claims where the roof has been completely destroyed around the solar panels. Um, so we're going in and basically removing the solar panels and reinstalling them on a new roof because the panels are still fine, but really? everything around the house has effectively been destroyed. Um, so in terms of hail, especially it's, it's remarkable how, how effective these things have been both in lab testing and in real world case studies. Unfortunately, with things like a, a wildfire or a tornado or something really extreme like that, there's not much one can do about it other than hope you have the right insurance coverage to, to take care of that for you. Um, electrical firewise, though, that, that is really why it comes down to really making sure that whatever solar installer you're hiring does have the correct 
credentials in place to make sure they have emergency shutoffs and, and things that are going to stop any electrical fire from cascading and creating any major problems. You're, what you're telling me is the is your solar panels are virtually indestructible. Yeah, when it comes to hail, yeah, if a tornado destroys your house, unfortunately, I think the solar panels are probably 500 feet along with everything else. But uh, yeah, in terms of the, the the stuff we see on a regular basis, we've been really, really pleased to see the the real world results kind of match up with what the uh, companies actually promise. So, okay. So, is there anything else you could tell us about um, you know commercial you know solar panels for commercial buildings that we haven't discussed yet? Yeah, I guess there's, there's there's probably a lot. I don't want to go into a, a three-hour <laughs> discussion about all the little intricate details, but um, I, I think the thing that I find the most exciting about the reality of where we're at right now is we, we certainly are seeing a massive transition going on um, that's really, really allowing us to, to kind of move forward in ways we never really expected as fast as, as we're seeing it. Um, so especially in the, in the reality of new construction, um, the reality is most companies that are building commercial buildings are actually building it with the, the idea of having some kind of solar or wind power cogeneration in mind. Like they're, they're upgrading their electrical infrastructure, um, making sure it's all available so that when they are gonna install one of these projects, they don't have to do a lot of that additional retrofit work. Okay. Um, so that's a really, really, really promising thing that two years ago that would have been unheard of for these major facilities, companies like Amazon, Google, um, Anheuser-Busch, uh, companies all like that are basically saying all of our facilities from this point forward are going to be ready for for these renewable projects next year or two so um that's a really exciting thing and, and that's something we're, we're really trying to work on with our clients is helping them kind of think through some of these these variables even before they even build a facility um so whether it's retrofitting an old facility or building one new there's a lot of things you can kind of do to make sure solar installations as, as accessible to you as possible right okay so retrofits are, are still being done it's just mostly new construction yeah, I'd say for us, it's still about 80% retrofit. Um, and, and again, there's a lot of a lot of things we can do that really make it a pretty seamless process. Um, but that is, that is the interesting thing is seeing a lot of building code and and just, just the design thinking on an architectural level kind of coming into a way where they're actually implementing kind of future-proofing for renewables in a way that wasn't really happening even a year or two ago. Are you finding that with regulations and society heading more in that direction of being sustainable and environmentally sound that that's that's the direction this is heading as well yeah absolutely i, I think there's, there's there's that kind of combination of, of factors of you know a lot of companies wanting to pursue a green image and, and kind of being able to kind of put their money where their mouth is in terms of that the reality of kind of being more sustainable um, but the reality just kind of comes down to when you when you look at the actual cost benefit um, what it usually takes to generate your own power and produce it on site with solar versus what it takes to buy it from a utility company. It's at a point where, where it's really hard to justify continuing to pay your utility bills. <laughs> um, so that's, that's certainly the thing is a lot of these companies see it obviously from a, from a perspective of, of wanting to be more sustainable, but a lot of them just see it as a, a really great bottom line investment. Well, where can people find you, Brett? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so you can always come to our website, www.solaryyc.ca. So if you are interested in a free consultation, um, feel free to reach out to us anytime on our website. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn personally, Brett Bauman on LinkedIn. Uh, the company as well has a Facebook page. If you ever want to come check out some of our installations on there, it's just solaryyc, uh, as long, along with the YouTube channel. So if you want to look at some of the videos of some of the cool cool places we've gotten to work over the years, just check out solaryyc on YouTube. So you even have a YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs>
but you do other places than YYC, correct? You have projects elsewhere? Yeah, absolutely. So we have worked kind of all over Western Canada. So we're, we're very specifically located, particularly in Alberta and Saskatchewan, um, with some small projects going on in British Columbia as well. There's opportunities out here for you and across Western Canada. So absolutely. Not just Calgary. Not just Calgary. That's our, that's our home, but we're happy to help you wherever you are. Okay, great. Well, thanks for much, so much for joining us today on that big HVAC show. I really appreciate the information you give us. And like I said, it's kind of a new technology. So we may be coming back to you in a couple of years for an update or whatnot. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks. If you have any questions about this topic, please send an email to thatbighvacshow at gmail.com. You can connect with the show on social media too. Search at That Big HVAC Show on Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me today. Please remember to follow this podcast or at least share it with a friend if you've enjoyed it. And if you really, really liked it, please write a review. Remember, this is your podcast. If there is anything in that big HVAC world you want to learn more about, please let me know. I look forward to your input. Until next month, dream big, work smart, and please be safe. Oh, Brett. Yeah. One more thing. Right. Since you like hiking and camping. Yes. What would be your bucket list adventure? Oh, that's a hard question. I have a few of them is the problem. <laughs> I, I think the one that I, that stuck with me the longest is uh, there's a, a really beautiful national park in the Yukon called Tombstone National Park. Okay. Uh, and there's a river that flows through Tombstone that I've, I've always wanted to do like a portage trip. Um, I'm hoping once my son's getting a little bit older and can carry the canoe for me, I'll probably, I'll probably get them to come with me. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope that happens. Yeah. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Dwayne.